Welcome back to the Snack Walls Podcast. I'm Mike Roberts, your host, and we're here to talk about increasing and maintaining diversity in tech beyond the perks. While companies think they can lure people in with unlimited PTO and dogs in the office, we're here to talk about how you keep them. All right, I'm going to throw it over to our special guest today. In a few sentences, can you tell us who you are and what it is that you do? Hi, Mike. Thanks for having me on the podcast today. Um, so in a nutshell, my name is Michelle Bernard. I am a senior recruiter for a staffing agency right now. Um, I've been there for about almost three years now. So I have 10 years in the HR industry and have a degree in, in HR as well. Um, right now, I'm actually doing two side hustles as well because we have an increasingly number of unemployed empl- uh, people out there. So I'm trying to like help that gap in between to to um, get the training that they need. So I have a couple side hustles going on too. All right. So we'll we'll definitely have you talk a little bit about that and in, in, uh, towards towards the end. So um, let's just kick things off. So I'm hearing from some leaders in tech that finding diverse talent is a challenge. What are your thoughts? Well, seeing that I'm in the industry and I've, I've seen it change drastically, dramatically and rapidly, um, I have noticed that a lot of the talent that we need that is diverse is outside of our country. Um, a lot of times our school system just doesn't have the supply uh, of the to match the demand of the tech jobs that we have here in the United States. So a lot of times I get a lot of people on LinkedIn who kind of reach out to me and they look for corp to corp or sponsorship opportunities, but a lot of companies aren't willing to pay. It's going to be expensive, but I think it is the necessary step to start to diversify the backgrounds as far as um, degrees and people visible and invisible as far as um, diversity. So, yeah, yeah, they have a lot of expenses probably in the near future if they really want to bring in diverse people, but it can happen. Yeah, and I've had other folks kind of talk about that, like uh, supply and demand side and say, look, if that's really the case, if there is this need and they genuinely want to fill that gap, then it just means you have to pay a higher price. There's a premium. And so you should be paying more for women, more for black, more for Latinx, more for neurodiverse developers. And that might mean some kind of investment that needs to be made in order to fix those numbers. To your point, if you're looking at it purely from an economic standpoint, it may get more expensive if they want to reach those goals. So a hundred percent believer in that message. So what do you think about this topic? (laughs) So what do you think about the push to remove some of the barriers like requirements for CS degrees for software engineering roles? Cause you kind of touched on that with the supply of folks with CS degrees. So, yeah, that's another uh, great question, too. Um, I don't think that it's necessarily should be a requirement that a a computer science degree be mandatory for an engineering degree. A lot of times people, you know, go to college and they switch degrees three, four times like we all have done. So it doesn't make really a lot of sense to try to pigeonhole or stopgate people that could be potentially really good fit for that role. Um, they're missing out on a lot of great talent if they, you know, have that degree requirement as a must have. So I would suggest not having that as a requirement, maybe a nice to have perhaps, but, you know, pay somebody extra for that degree. So it, it's more desirable for them to apply. But I, you know, I've seen so many different things that that companies could do better, but I can only yeah. say so much. <laughs> so many people at one time. So, yeah, absolutely. So, um, do you think an apprenticeship pattern would work for some tech roles? 
I actually think that that would actually help the uh, supply problem here that we have in the United States. If we had, you know, people that would assist with more hands-on training with a lot of the youth that's coming up in this next generation, they have a, a short attention span, let's be honest. And, and, and they need the handholding that they probably didn't have, you know, growing up in, in school or now that they're working, you know, doing their schooling from home, like they're just, it's just different. So apprenticeship, you know, you have to try something different to see what kind of different results you get. And I do agree that apprenticeship might be a good route for the internally in the United States. Yeah, I think it's working elsewhere. And that's the part that frustrates me to no end is like, you look at Europe and you look at the way that they treat it as a first class, um, career path instead of here in the United States where we think about vocational career paths as sort of like second class that everybody's sort of like entitled or should be desiring to go to college and get a four-year degree. And, you know, I, I agree. I think that's not attainable for some folks. And so you're setting an unrealistic barrier for the very people that you're trying to provide opportunities for. So, so that said, we talked about the acquisition part, and I'm sure another part of what you do is you help people that are trying to like, they bounce out of this place because this place is terrible. So how do you keep people? How do you retain talent? How do they put you out of the replacing people business and instead keep them inside of the organization? Well, so to your question, I believe that the one thing they can do to try to uh, uh, retain diverse groups of people is to treat them equally. Um, I, you know, this year has been kind of like a, a, sh a spotlight being shine on diversity as if we weren't here already. And, and, you know, that's just my strong opinion behind that. Because the way some of the situations I've been in recently um, and then the groups that have emerged within organizations that, you know, and then the conversations that I'm having with clients asking for specific, you know, diverse candidates, you know, these conversations are just interesting and awkward at the same time because I feel like we've always been, you know, looking for diverse people to fill roles. And it's never been something that we had to shine a light on, that it was something that we need to work on. Yeah. I mean, I've been working in shops for a really long time and I've seen, I've looked around with my two eyes and seen like this place looks very one way. <laughs> it doesn't look like it's not representative of the customer base is the most polite way of saying all I see are predominantly white male cisgender dudes as I survey the my coworkers. And that doesn't feel cool. It doesn't feel you don't feel like you belong when you don't look the same as anyone else you're working with. Um and you get and then you shine a light on it. It's kind of like okay, well now I can see what you see. Yeah, absolutely. So who is someone like yourself that you would like to sort of like give a shout out or acknowledge as a leader and think might be a good guest to be on a podcast like this? Well, I actually had a hard time choosing. I have a lot of great friends um, that have become leaders. I, I mean, like I, remember, I like that. Yeah, I have some memories of sometimes with two, you know, particular women in um, in my life that are still in my life that are super supportive of my, you know, own personal endeavors. And you know, I, we used to sit by the bean or in Millennial Park and dream about what our futures would look like. You know poor, broken, <laughs> you know, struggling. And now to see her for her fruition and her come to fruition and, and start her own company, you know, uh, put out job posting made by me, myself, for her to find employment, uh, 
to find employees to work for her. So I'm really proud of Casper. Um, and then Lauren as well. She works at a, a video game company and she also has risen to the occasion, gone from intern working at a, um, what is a diner? I think it was <laughs> and scrapping for change, but now they both like have risen to the occasion are both very much leaders in their industries. Nice. All right. So I'm going to put them on the radar and see if we can get them on the program and talk about their, talk about their journey <laughs> and their experience and how, you know, that how they could basically be a, you know, be a model for what it takes to you know be successful. So I like it. I like it a lot. Um, <laughs> where can we find out more information about your company? Maybe you can share plug something like a side hustle or something. So Go ahead, yeah. give us the info. We'll put it all in the show notes. Sure. Yeah. So I actually have my own site. It's uh, MB Job Seeker Advice. Um, it's a website dedicated to, you know, a lot of people that have been displaced, looking for jobs, uh, looking to get their resume rewritten, looking for interview tips or career advice. If you want to switch careers, I have advice on that type of thing as well. So the website addresses my middle first middle and last name.com. So it's www.michelle.teniabernard.com. Um, and then also I do a little bit of tarot on the site as well. So I also have a website on that. It's mbempresstarot.com. So if you're interested in a reading, that'd be, um, be awesome too. Um, nice. And then I also have Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube channel. So I can put that awesome. all in the comments. So yeah. So we can put that all in the show notes and I'm, I'm amazed. Are you saying that you can do like the, this whole reading thing? You can do it via zoom. Like this is. Oh like yeah. I did a live one this past Sunday for storytellers um, and their Halloween edition. I did a live one. It was spot on. The girl was nice. hesitant. She was uh, concerned going into it, but it was a really good positive reading and it was well received by her. And then after you know a while, I got a, a request from one of the guys listening or watching the live show. So it was really exciting to nice. see that. All right. I don't know if I'm down with that, but uh, maybe like, you should try it. Really it's a career. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't know that I want to know the future. I kind of enjoy like the surprise of things coming coming at me and not knowing what the plan is. I don't. I can't tell the future. But I thought it's that not was, about what, telling the future at all. Oh, now I'm confused. But so, what is the goal then? If I, like, what what is the value uh, value add or the opportunity for me? Please don't do one right now without, without telling you. No, I'm not going to do one right now, I promise. But the value added is that you get to see your current situation in a different perspective. Okay. It's all about healing. Um, you're, you know, having a conversation because this started back in Italy and France where they were just playing with these cards. And it just started conversations. And that's kind of how I use them. All right. All right. Well, I'll, I'll marinate on that then. All right. Back to the show. Okay. <laughs> for a second. So. Question for you. Last and most important question. And that mm -hmm. is, what are you snacking on lately? What's your favorite snack? Jalapeno chips. I can only eat those and that is it. And they have to be the Kettle Crunch. It cannot be any other brand. Those are pretty good. I mean, mm -hmm. I do like the Kettle Crunch ones and those are the flavor that I would go for. I'm not a big, you know, like salt and, you know, sea salt and all that kind of stuff. It's got to be the spicy ones for me. So that is a phenomenal snack. And I grew up on, I'm from the East Coast, so I grew up on Cape Cape Cod potato chips and the jalapeno ones even better than Cape Cod. Sorry. Yeah, absolutely. Sorry, Cape Cod. <laughs> Sorry, Cape Cod. <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks again, Michelle. I really appreciate you coming on the program. Thank you for having me, Mike. 
The San Diego Code School is a proud sponsor of the Snack Walls podcast. The San Diego Code School is leading companies to tech equity. The tech-enabled apprenticeship program is a venture whose heart is to do a lot of social good and do good work. You can help San Diego Code School secure funding for change by hiring developers, bringing a team in to relieve your backlog, or becoming a program sponsor. You can visit us on the web for more information at http colon forward slash forward slash sdcs dot 